Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. I hope you're having a fantastic week. Um, I'm actually feeling pretty good. I want to say last week I needed a down week. You ever have one of those weeks where you know you have this long list of things that you probably should be doing, but mentally or physically you just don't have it in you? And that was me last week. And so I owned it and I took some time off. I took time off from posting on social media. I took time off from pushing myself to do various work things. And I did a puzzle. You know how I feel about jigsaw puzzles. I love puzzles. And this was actually a puzzle I had given to my dad for his birthday, I think it was. It was a picture of him and my mom and all, almost all the grandchildren. And I got the picture that I had taken of them made into a puzzle. The problem is I don't have a really good quality phone. So the picture was kind of fuzzy and all the colors were muted and looked alike. So there was this one section of everybody sitting in front of the sofa and everybody's legs are hanging out. And even though some people had blue jeans on and some people had gray sweatpants on, the sofa and the pants and the floor all looked the same color. So this was probably one of the hardest puzzles I've ever done. It took me a whole week to finish it. Uh, Granted, we had some other activities in there that I had to take care of, but yes, a whole week doing a puzzle, and I feel like I got some much-needed rest, and I am back at it, ready to go. Today, we have a really interesting topic. Today, we're going to talk about PCOS and nutrition. I know I spend a lot of time talking about weight management and mindset and you know, more towards of the, the mental part of nutrition that you know, a lot of us didn't grow up learning. It was more of just do the things. And if you don't do the things, then there's something wrong with you. And now we know that most of what nutrition counseling is behavior change and evoking that behavior change and, and changing the way we think about things so that we're motivated to make change. Today, I'm kind of pulling back from all of that. And I really wanted to do a podcast on PCOS and nutrition, because this is a condition that affects, excuse me, a lot of women. In fact, there's estimates of 10% of women have PCOS. And so obviously, we need to take some time and talk about it in terms of what it is, how you're diagnosed, what are the symptoms, uh, if you suspect you have it, what should you ask your doctor, what are the types of questions you should ask, and then ultimately how nutrition can treat the condition. So I want to go all into that. If you particularly don't 
struggle with PCOS, I'm sure you know somebody who does. So maybe this would be a good podcast to, to share with somebody or just to educate yourself on the condition. So if there comes a time where you do meet somebody with it, you can offer them some really helpful advice. Um, because this one's this one's a tough one in terms of the symptoms that you experience and how you feel. So let's start with the basics. Uh, PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it's the leading cause of infertility in women. So we know that PCOS is an endocrine disorder, uh, but it's commonly overlooked and undertreated. They estimate that 50% of women who have PCOS saw three or more health professionals just to get a diagnosis. And sometimes that diagnosis took up to three years to finally come to fruition. So women who know something's not right, they're like, something's up. They're struggling to get their practitioners to, to listen to them, to believe them. Um, but if you suspect that there, this could possibly be going on, stay tuned because I'm going to help you out through this. All right. I'm going to give you the, the tools to work through it. All right. So most people, uh, most women are usually diagnosed in their 20s or 30s, uh, but you can be diagnosed in your late teens. Obviously, this is a women's condition only. And so, you know, it would make sense that in the beginning of your teenage years, when you might get your period, you, your period's not regular, right? It's all over the place as your body's kind of coming into puberty. But after a few years, noticing that, hey, I'm not exhibiting the same regularity as some of my friends are, that's where usually you know, some questions start to arise. So it can be diagnosed again in the later teen years, but mostly it's diagnosed in 20s or 30s. Okay. So in order for you to be diagnosed, you do need to meet two out of three of the following criteria. So I'm going to go through all of those. I do want to mention as well that PCOS can run in families. So if you have a mom or a sister or an aunt with PCOS, it can increase your chances of acquiring it too. So let's go through the two out of three, or let's go through the three criteria. And again, if you have two out of the three, you can be diagnosed with this endocrine disorder. So the first criteria is irregular periods. Now, irregular periods means outside of the normal, what is it, 25 to 35 day cycle. Meaning, if you have your period, say, every 25 days, and then the next month you have it every 32, uh, on the 32nd day, and then the next month you have it on day 30, that is not what we're talking about. So when I say outside the scope of normalcy, it's outside of that 21 to 35 days. You may have it on day 30, and then the next month you get it at day 17, and then the next month you get it at day 70. Like, it is all over the place, very, very irregular. You may also experience random spotting or bleeding, but irregular periods outside the, the standard is definitely a criteria for PCOS. Another symptom is 
um, that you can experience or another criteria is symptoms of elevated androgens. So this would mean either facial or body hair growth, hair loss on head, acne, oily skin, and dandruff, uh, weight gain specifically in the belly region, or getting actual lab work that shows that your testosterone levels are high. Okay, so again, these are what we call um, elevated androgen symptoms, and they're not pleasant, right? I mean, they are not pleasant. No, no woman I, I know specifically gets excited about a lot of extra facial hair growth or acne or weight gain in the middle. Like these are, are kind of harsh symptoms. And so it can be really, really frustrating for a woman to go into her doctor and say like, listen, I am experiencing these really uncomfortable and you know, potentially unflattering symptoms, I need help. And then to not feel heard can feel really discouraging. All right. And then the third criteria is the actual polycystic ovaries. All right. And in order to determine this, you would need a pelvic ultrasound or a transvaginal ultrasound to diagnose this, which is something you can ask for if you suspect. It's important to know that pain is not a symptom. It's not a criteria. Um, a lot of people think having all these cysts or the, the presence of cysts um, is what diagnoses you. But in all honesty, they're not cysts on your ovaries, but actually immature follicles that are a result of not ovulating regularly. So one of the best ways I heard this described was from another dietitian. She said that, you know, it's basically all these immature follicles competing to ovulate, but nobody is winning. And so you just have these follicles all over your ovaries. They're not actual cysts. They're immature follicles. And again, that can be diagnosed by looking at a scan, a pelvic ultrasound. Okay. So you need two out of these three criteria to be diagnosed. Um, other symptoms that you can experience are insulin resistance. That can be diagnosed with um, a blood um, some blood work, which, you know, elevated fasting blood sugars or an elevated A1C can measure the insulin resistance. You may notice you have intense carb or sugar cravings. In fact, um, I was looking more into this and they mentioned that people with PCOS have a higher risk of eating disorders and in fact, it's four times greater in this particular population than people without PCOS. And 60% of people with PCOS have binge eating behaviors because of those intense carbon sugar cravings. So that's something to note. Um, because of the insulin resistance, uh, you do increase your risk of type 2 diabetes in the future. In fact, you increase it uh, up to 50%. So that's something we want to pay attention to. And it's also interesting to note that uh, women with PCOS have higher rates of depression and anxiety. So um, if you are screened for PCOS, you may also want to make sure you're talking to somebody. Um, that depression and anxiety either can be a direct result of hormone imbalance 
or just strictly the frustration of dealing with these really uncomfortable symptoms. So we do want to be really conscious and empathetic to people that are struggling with this because, you know, there's a lot going on both physically and mentally, and we want to make sure we're taking care of them well. All right. So if you suspect that you could be dealing with PCOS, there are certain tests that I would ask you to have a conversation with your doctor and, you know, maybe trying to get done so you can see if you fall into any of this criteria. Um, some things that you want to ask for are um, a full thyroid panel. We want to make sure that we're not also looking at Hashimoto's uh, or anything that could affect your thyroid. Um, other things that we want to test are your vitamin D levels, your B12 iron, and then again, check your blood sugars and your A1C. And again, all of that can be ran with a blood test. Okay, so these are all really helpful indicators as to know how we're going to approach treatment. Okay, so again, you want to ask for a full thyroid panel, vitamin D level, B12, iron, and then your blood sugar and your A1C. All right. And again, you can also have all your hormone levels checked. So you can get your testosterone levels checked and your estrogen and just to see, is there anything outside of your norm? Um, and then again, just to review, we can also ask for a pelvic ultrasound to see if there are any of those immature follicles all over your ovaries. Okay. So that's pretty much the gist of, of what it is, how it's diagnosed, what symptoms you can experience, and what tests you can ask um, for further diagnosis. Where I want to spend a lot of time today is on treatment. Because, you know, it's all well and good to know you have it, but how do we fix it? And so the problem is with PCOS, there is no cure and there's really no way to prevent it from happening. So this is a, a lifelong condition. And so we want to make sure that the treatment style that we're using to help manage it is also lifelong. We have to make sure that it's a, a doable plan. Otherwise, if we stop doing all the, the treatment plans, all the symptoms are just going to come right back. All right. So this is something that we're in it for the long game, but we can totally make it manageable and we can make it sustainable. Like, I, I don't want you to think that you have to completely change your diet from what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is eating and have to kind of work through this in isolation. We totally can eat foods that everybody else is eating, we may just need to change up your portions or um, the frequency at which you eat certain foods. All right. So a couple things that we can work on. The most important thing that we do for PCOS is manage blood sugars. So we, we really focus on that insulin resistance piece. So again, insulin resistance, it's not a problem of your body making insulin. It's a problem of your body utilizing the insulin and getting the sugar into your cells. 
for energy. That sugar's just kind of hanging out in your blood all the time because your body can't get it into the cells and that causes your blood sugar levels to rise. All right, so when it comes to managing blood sugars, the goal is not to eliminate carbs. The goal is never to eliminate carbs. Let me just reiterate that for all disease conditions. The goal is never to eliminate carbs. We may need to be smarter with how many carbs we eat or how often we eat them or what time of day we eat them, but the goal is never to completely eliminate them. It's just not sustainable, first of all, and you're going to be grumpy. Like if you never have carbohydrates again, it's going to affect your mood. And if you're already struggling with some depression and anxiety, you do not want to add agitation to the list. All right. So a couple things that we can do in terms of (laughs) managing blood sugars. I was trying to say managing and monitoring at the same time, and it wasn't working out well for me. All right. So first thing we can do is we can make sure that we don't eat carbs on their own. Meaning every time you eat, you want to be combining carbs and proteins together. And this is something that we help out our clients with at Body Metrics. So knowing exactly what foods constitute as carbs, what foods constitute as protein, uh, just so people can have a better understanding of how to combine these certain nutrients together for optimal health and well-being. So we want to make sure that we don't eat carbs by themselves. We always pair them with protein. Protein acts as a drag. Right? I always give the example, let's pretend you're a carb and I'm a protein. And I tell you as a carb to run across a parking lot. You will. You may not like it, but you can run across a parking lot. But let's change the story. Let's say you come back and I say, this time we're gonna run around the we're gonna run across the parking lot, you as the carb, but this time I as the protein am gonna wrap my arms around your waist. And now you're going to have to drag me across the parking lot as you try to run across. Like that's what protein does to carbs. It just acts as a drag. So instead of your blood sugar spiking, it only goes up a little bit and it's easier for your body to manage. Okay, so that's why we don't ever want to eat carbs by themselves because carbs left to their own devices by themselves will cause your blood sugar to spike really high very quickly where protein kind of wraps its arms around carbs waste and slows down the spike and slows down the process of it rising, meaning easier for your body to handle. So that's why we always want to combine carbs and proteins together. We always want to make sure that when we are choosing carbs, we're choosing high fiber carbs. Fiber is another one of those things that slows down sugar spikes. Um, now, it doesn't mean you have to choose high, five car- high fiber carbs every single time. Like you never can have a piece of candy or you never can have white rice or you never can have white bread. No, that's not true. But we just want to make sure that more often than not, you're choosing whole grain counterparts. All right. Again, we'll teach you how to read labels. We'll teach you what numbers to look for on a nutrition label to make sure that you are optimizing what you're putting into your body. It's not an all or nothing thing here. These are just best practices that we want to try to work more towards as frequently as we can because it's going to make our body feel better. 
We want to make sure that we're prioritizing proteins and fiber, mentioned that already, but also healthy fats. You know, we want to try to choose plant-based diet as much as possible because that can decrease some inflammation in the body and cause the body to work harder. And with PCOS, your adrenals are on overdrive. And so anything that we can do to calm levels of stress and inflammation, we're going to take advantage of it. So making sure that we're prioritizing protein, fat, and fiber every time we eat for good blood sugar management. All right. And again, it's really important that we create a doable, sustainable plan and not just a plan that gets your blood sugars down for a hot second, because the minute you regress and go back, all your symptoms are going to return. All right. So again, it's not that you can't have certain foods. We just may need to eat them in slightly different portions than the people around you. All right. And then finally, another good tool to help with blood sugar management is having balanced meals, uh, balanced smaller meals more frequently. So rather than eating three large meals uh, and causing some extra stress on your pancreas, uh, breaking it up into smaller meals, maybe about every two to three hours or so, can be a way to manage your blood sugars more efficiently. So those are the kinds of things that we want to do in terms of the insulin resistant piece. Uh, they do estimate that 50 to 70% of women with PCOS do have some form of insulin resistance. So that's why we want to put that at the top of our list in terms of what we want to manage first because of how it affects uh, the body in the immediate but also in the future with increasing your risk of type 2 diabetes um, and then also just because of how prevalent the insulin resistance is. Uh, the second thing that we want to focus on is stress management. So again, adrenals are on overdrive. And so really thinking about how can you give your body self-care for stress management specifically? What does that look like? Does that mean taking more frequent breaks throughout the day? Does that mean um, imploring more meditation into your day? Does that mean changing up your workouts? You know, if you're just doing all hardcore, intense HIIT training or speed workouts or really, really heavy lifting all the time, are there opportunities where you can do more restorative exercises? Things like yoga or a very slow bike ride or just a leisurely walk. Again, this isn't an all or nothing thing. It's not that you have to give up your favorite workouts. It's not that you can't do some of those exercises you love. It's just about giving back and creating more balance. So it's not constant stress to your body or to your mind. Okay. So really thinking about how can you incorporate more stress management tools, being really proactive in this area versus reactive. I think most of us, myself included, tend to um, approach stress management more as reactive. I forget, what was the quote I just read? It was something about self-care means giving people the best of you versus the rest of you. And I really like that. So that really resonated with me. So we want to work on stress management. You have to remember, too, that your reproductive organs shut down during stress, 
right? And so we don't want to do anything extreme because extreme means stress and stress just shuts down the body even more. So the name of the game is consistency and the name of the game is balance. All right. And then finally, um, elevated androgens can make weight gain really easy. So maybe for somebody else, you know, it takes a lot more effort to gain a pound where women with PCOS find that it doesn't take much effort at all. They can put on weight really, really easily. Uh, the research shows that uh, 30 to 75% of women with PCOS are obese. Uh, and if you work towards a little bit of weight loss, it can improve your symptoms. Uh, 5 to 10% weight loss, or I should say, yeah, just a 5 to 10% reduction in weight. So not a ton, just 5 to 10% can regulate your periods and decrease your androgen levels. So we're not looking for, you know, you have to lose 50 pounds to get your periods back. Like just a 5% reduction can make really great results. That wasn't even good English, can give really good results, okay? And again, I'm going to keep going back to it. It has to be sustainable. So you look at certain fad diets like intermittent fasting or um, keto diets. And, you know, because people will ask me all the time, like, I heard this is really helpful. The problem with intermittent fasting is all the research on intermittent fasting, pretty much all of it has been done on men, which is not helpful because PCOS does not affect men, it affects women. So I don't know if we can say that there's a true correlation between intermittent fasting and PCOS. Keto, on the other hand, there has been some research to show that it can be helpful at regulating insulin levels and decreasing weight. The problem with keto is that all the research shows that it is not a sustainable diet. And again, with PCOS, this is not something that you cure. This is something that you manage. It is a lifelong condition. So fixing it with a strict diet isn't going to help anything. It'll change it in that moment, but whatever gets you there keeps you there. So when it comes to managing your PCOS symptoms with diet and exercise, this is going to take a little bit. And I want you to have a realistic expectation of a time frame where you start to notice you feel better. This can take a couple weeks. This might take a couple months. But the investment you put into it is going to have really long benefits. All right. So we need to make sure we're not looking for short-term fixes for a long-term problem. We're doing the things that are sustainable. We're doing, you know, we're maybe changing up how often we eat and how many carbs we eat at a time. But then we're also, you know, trying to choose more complex carbs as possible and choosing more plant-based diet and choosing more protein, plant-based proteins as much as possible. And over time, those changes are going to have a significant impact. But it's going to take time. The biggest thing, though, is listen to your body. Listen to your symptoms. Your symptoms are your body's way of telling you that something's off. And a lot of times with disease management, we're looking at symptom management. 
I always like to get to the root of the problem. You know I do. But in this case, we want to listen to what your body's saying is off so we can correct it with good nutrition practices. Does that make sense? All right. So that is your mini lesson on PCOS. I hope this has been really helpful. Again, if you struggle with this, come to us. We are here to help. We can really identify how many carbs you need at your meals, what that looks like, give you suggestions, recipes, uh, because I know that a lot of this can be really overwhelming. There's a lot of information in this podcast, and so you may need to listen to it again. Or like I said, share with somebody you know who is struggling. They may find this information really helpful. But at Body Metrics, we are here to help you. We want to make sure that we can create long-lasting, sustainable programs that you feel really good about, that you feel confident with, uh, but that also let you enjoy life and enjoy the moment. And I think that's really, really important right? Sometimes when we're handed a uh, diagnosis, our brains automatically go, you know, all the way to the left. And it's like, now I'm never going to be able to do all this. And then that causes anxiety. No, no. Like I always tell my clients, every single one of them, I'm like, I'm on your side. I am here to support you and to help you. I'm not against you. I don't find any weird pleasure taking things away from people. I try to eliminate eliminations as m- at all costs because I know ultimately that's not going to make people happy long term. And so I'm always looking for ways that we can add versus subtract because I feel like that's much more uh, attractive and doable. All right. So let me get you your recipe. So this actually was out of our January newsletter. If you are not getting Body Metrics's newsletter, you need to let me know because we have fitness calendars in there. We have recipes. We have a lot of great information on our blog so you can see all the posts from there. Um, you'll get to know anything that's going on about special promos or programs or classes that we're running. And so make sure you reach out to me in some way. You either can email me through the office on our website, which is bodymetricshealth.com. Or you can reach out on socials and say, how do I get on the email list? And we will add you. All right. But this was from our January newsletter. And it's a slow cooker stuffed pepper soup. So guys, I really struggle with slow cooker recipes because a lot of them use ingredients that I don't necessarily want to use on a regular basis. Like a lot of them have cream of mushroom or cream of potato soups. And I know they're they're good for that, but it's just not necessarily things that I want to eat all the time. But I love the idea of using my slow cooker more. So trying to find healthy recipes uh, can always be a challenge. For this recipe though, this is a good one. So you're either going to need a pound of ground turkey or lean ground beef, whatever you prefer. Um, You're going to need one medium onion diced, two large red bell peppers diced, two garlic cloves chopped, one tablespoon of Italian seasoning, three and a half cups of tomato sauce, a half a cup of wild rice. You're not going to, that'll be dry, not cooked. And four cups of beef broth or chicken broth, depending on what you're using. 
And here's the beauty of it. You are going to place all those ingredients in your slow cooker. Go ahead and break up the meat a little bit so it's not in a solid block. We want to make sure that it cooks all the way through. And then you're going to turn that sucker on for four hours on high or six to eight hours on low. And that's it. That's it. It's a simple one. You just dump all the ingredients in and you don't even have to do any work with it afterwards. So I know you're going to love this recipe. And um, if you make it, let me know. Tell me what you think of it. All right, guys, that's all I got for you today. Hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.